Birdman. Now, let's see it again. How many of you have seen Birdman before? Only a few of you. You need to see Birdman. It's one of my favorites. Uh, now, I, I, I remember the first time uh, that I saw uh, the movie Birdman. I was actually sitting uh, in Kirk and Cindy Conger's living room. We watched it together uh, after it won Best Picture a couple of years ago. And it was one of those movies where when I was done watching it, I just wanted to sit and digest it for like an hour. Uh, I wanted to just just reflect and think about it. I think the thing that really strikes me about Birdman is I can relate uh, to Michael Keaton's character, Regan, uh, and the way that he is just desperate to feel admired. He's desperate for attention He's desperate for, for love. He's desperate for respect. He's desperate for appreciation uh, for his work. And I can relate to that. Uh, there's, there's a reason why I do things like this um, and, and come up here and speak. And that's because I think one reason why I do things like this is because on some level I'm really hungry for recognition. If... We haven't met before. Like Bill said, my name is Jeff. I, I've been a part of Mosaic for about four years now. And today, like he talked about, we're going to talk about vanity. Before we get too deep into it, why don't we go to the Lord in a quick word of prayer and just reset ourselves after the movie. Let's go to the Lord. Well, Father, we want to thank you so much uh, for this day. Lord, we thank you so much uh, for how you love us, how you value us, uh, whether or not we do things worthy of admiration, regardless of where we find ourselves today, you love us so much uh, that you came and died for us. And Lord, we just want to, you know, as we think about the way that we live our lives, the way that we relate to ourselves, and the way that we relate to the world around us, uh, Lord, we just want to ask that you would help us to put aside our need uh, to, feel, to feel admired, our, our need to be thought of highly by others. Help us to see ourselves as you see us. We commit this time to you now, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so, like Bill said, this series that we're doing, Deadly, The Seven Deadly Sins, uh, last week Bill talked about gluttony this week. We're moving on. Uh, depending on uh, the list that you've seen of the seven deadly sins, you might see the word pride um, listed. Other lists will show the word vanity. Um, pride is kind of a, a, a big category of sins in a lot of different ways of seeing ourselves relative to the world around us. And today we're going to hone in on a particular problem, um, and that is vanity. Um, and Vanity, just like, just like gluttony, you know, I, I love what Bill had to say last week. You know, sometimes when we think about sin, I think we think about it in, in the wrong way. When we talk about it, when people like me get up and talk about sin, we tend to talk about it uh, as if it's just God drawing lines that we're not supposed to cross. Don't do this, and don't do this, and don't do this, and sometimes very arbitrarily, drawing these lines. But if we really examine Scripture, and especially what Jesus has to say to us, I think what we notice that we sometimes forget is that sin 
is what is deadly you know, to us. It's what causes death and destruction both in our own lives and when we're engaged in these things, they also cause destruction to the world around us. So last week, we talked about gluttony and how when we consume in ways that are dysfunctional, when we consume to the point of waste, not only does that destroy our own lives, but that can have a hugely negative effect on the world around us. And vanity, we're going to find, is kind of the same way. So what is vanity? Vanity is the inordinate attention that we pay or pride that we take in our appearance or in our accomplishments. So as you were talking before, as you were answering the question before and and thought a little bit about what is it that, that you've accomplished that you wish you got a little bit more credit for. For some of us, probably, you know, as, as we think about those things, probably thinking about that appeals to our vanity a little bit. And this need that we have, this innate desire that we have to be recognized and admired for our accomplishments and our appearance. And I got to say, this has been a weird experience uh, getting ready to preach on vanity because so much of, of what what goes into prepping to get up to speak, you know, right, everything from choosing the words I'm going to say to what I'm going to wear when I come up here, uh, you know, everything. So much of the time, if I'm really honest with you, so much of what drives the decisions I make is is looking forward to being done speaking here. And, and looking forward to getting complimented <laughs> for it. And, and, and saying, what, what is it that I'm going to do, you know, to drive admiration uh, from the audience for myself? That so much of the decisions that I usually make when I come up here is driven by my vanity. You know, it's just been such an odd experience you know, I, I kind of, uh, a little bit, I feel exposed uh, this morning. I feel like I'm running through Times Square in my underwear uh, a little bit uh, this morning because, you know, as I stand before God, as, as I was prepping, and, and, and even just here right now, I realize how much of everything I do is driven by a need to be praised and a need to be admired and recognized. In the Bible... Uh, we kind of see a perfect picture of what vanity looks like uh, through this group of people that Jesus talked to and talked about an awful lot, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. And that passage that John read earlier, uh, this is a major passage where Jesus gets in the face of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Just as a little bit of context for you, this passage uh, comes from the last week in Jesus' life. And this, this conversation, uh, this, this talk that Jesus gives, you know, this is kind of a tipping point for Jesus. He's standing in the temple in Jerusalem, so really in, in the Pharisee's house, you know, and he's just laying it on him. He's just laying it out there, everything that he's seeing that's wrong um, with these religious leaders. Let's take a look again Um, at what Jesus has to say to them in verse 5. All their works they do to be seen by men. They make their flatteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. Is there more there? There. 
They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. I think that verse 5 really sums up in a very neat little way exactly what we're talking about here with vanity. Everything that they do, they do to be seen by men. Ouch. You know, that, that's something that I, I would imagine a lot of us can relate to that on some level. Um, but to have that said in such stark terms, everything that they do, everything that these religious leaders, these, these spiritual leaders do, they're doing to be seen by men. The, the, when Jesus talks about phylacteries, what he's talking about here, uh, basically, maybe you've seen these uh, before. Um, I've got a picture of them um, that we can go to. Um, they're these little leather or cloth boxes um, that, um, in Jewish tradition, they used to wrap up um, some verses of the Hebrew scriptures and put them in them, and they would bind them literally uh, to their foreheads and to their forearms. And we got a picture of what that looks like as well. All of this was based on some verses uh, from the Hebrew scriptures uh, back when Moses was giving the law. Um, he said, he, he said uh, a command from God is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Remember these words. Talk about them all the time. Bind them on your forehead and on your forearms. Keep them in your heart all the time. Write them on your doorposts and on your gates. Don't forget about them. And so the Pharisees, they said, all right, let's take this literally. Let's do that. Let's take these Let's take these words, let's bind them to our foreheads. And also they bound them, you know, in little boxes on their forearms. You think they missed the point a little bit? Well, that, I think it's fairly clear that what Moses was getting at was remember these words. Take them to heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And they missed the point. They actually wrap them around their foreheads and their forearms, you know, and now they were taking it even to a greater extreme, you know, they said, let's, let's make these boxes as big as we can, let's, let's make the, let's make sure everybody knows how obedient we are being to Moses's words, we're going to bind them so big to our forehead, we're going to bind them so big to our arms, you know, the Pharisees, you know, they wanted everybody to see just how obedient they could be to the law and completely miss the point. Everything that they did, they did to be, to be seen by men. And okay, so as I think about this passage and as I think about vanity, I think for myself, when I come to this point, I need to stop for a second because... I, th- I think uh, when we think about the way in which the Pharisees were vain, wanting to be seen as spiritual and religious by everybody around them, it, c- it can be really easy to just think about how people do that today. I think we can all probably think of examples. We probably all know people who it's very important to them to look religious. Anybody know anybody like that? Yeah. I think that most of us here know some people who it's very important to them. Whatever that looks like, to look very spiritual 
all the time. You know, so with some people, it's, it's saying really long and really flowery prayers on public occasions. Some people, you can just see it on their Facebook feed. You know, they, they, they're always posting things that you can kind of tell are meant to reflect, you know, a really, a really spiritual persona. And, you know, I've been around Mosaic long enough that I know that probably that's not most of us in this room. In fact, a lot of us came to Mosaic, I think, to get away from that a little bit. We wanted to get away from some of these artificial and superficial images and brands that people are cultivating for themselves to look really religious and spiritual. And so I have to think to myself, what does this actually look like in my life? And as I thought about that this week, what I saw in myself started to look pretty ugly, uh, honestly. Uh, So like Bill said, I've been here for a little bit over four years. And one of the real transformational parts of my life since I've been here at Mosaic, you know, Mosaic has really done a lot for me. I've learned a lot about the kingdom of God. I've learned a lot about blessing the city, serving our neighbors, serving the poor. Um, And I'm so glad and I feel so blessed um, to have experienced truly a transformation in my outlook at the world. And so I've I've been pretty sold on that. I buy into that idea that the kingdom of God is about pouring myself out uh, for the world um, around me like Jesus did. And so, you know, I, I talk about things like that. You know, if, if you were here the last time I preached, it happened to be um, a weekend a few months ago um, when refugees were very much in the news because of the political situation. And so, um, really, I devoted that entire sermon um, to thinking about what does it look like to love our neighbors, you know, particularly folks different from me like refugees. You know, and if you were to come to my small group that I help lead on Monday nights, chances are, you know, you would hear us talking about how important it is to bless the city around us. And so, and I guess, you know, if, if you were to look at my Facebook feed as well, you know, you'd see me talking about things like this, the importance of loving our neighbor, the importance of caring for the people who our society doesn't generally care for. But then I ask myself the question, in the last few months, how much time have I spent doing that? I've talked about it a lot. I've posted about it a lot. I've marched a little bit um, for that. Uh, But I start to ask myself the question, what have I actually done to step in to the lives of people around me to bless them, to serve them, to pour out the love of Christ to them? And I'm starting to realize that really, even though the way in which my vanity has changed, it's really as much a part of my life as it's ever been. You know, it's taken on what we could call a little bit of a more progressive tone to it. Uh, You know, now it's not about looking spiritual. Now it's about loving my neighbor. But really, vanity is just as powerful a force in me as it ever has been. And it's, in a lot of ways, I'm as all talk (laughs) 
as I ever have been. And this is a deadly sin. Why, why is vanity deadly? You know, and I think there are a couple of reasons why, and Jesus gets to them with the Pharisees uh, a little bit. If we fast forward a little bit to verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse... Is that verse 23? I think we're a little bit... We need to go back a little bit. Well, anyway, um, maybe we don't have it. Jesus says to the scribes and the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you give a tenth of everything you have, even your mint, your cumin, your dill, all those things. You sacrifice a tenth of those things, but you've neglected the bigger things. You've neglected justice and mercy and faithfulness. Attend to those things. You know, don't give up what you've been doing, but you've given up the more important things. You know, dill and, and mint and cumin, those were the, those were the smallest plants um, that you know, a first century Jew would probably be growing in their garden. And so the Pharisees were meticulous you know, about saying, even these little things, I'm going to make sure that I sacrifice uh, to them, but they had completely given up on the bigger matters of justice and mercy and faithfulness. And that's, that's what makes vanity so deadly to the world around us. When we're so caught up in how we look and, and making sure that people can see, you know, and curating our image to make sure that people know how wonderful we are, we forget to actually do the things that God has commanded us to do. You know, and that happens to me all the time. I tend to, you know, when I think about justice, I think about making sure that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm debating in the right way on Facebook. When I think about mercy, I tend to make sure, what I tend to think about is talking about serving my neighbor, and I don't actually get around to it. And the more we do that, the more that we're focused on how we look and our image the more we forget to be actually out in the world doing the things that we've been commanded to do. And that, in a big way, that's Regan's problem in Birdman. That's one of the things that I, that, that I love about Birdman is how it illustrates this. So you've got the Emma Stone character, Sam, who's his daughter, and she is just a mess. Um, she's going through drug rehab, uh, Right under Regan's nose, she is suffering. And Regan, you know, he gets so caught up in this conflict in his own life. You know, if you notice that there's this voice in his head. And this voice in his head, it's sort of the incarnation of the Birdman persona. Uh, Regan, you know, years ago, he'd been a movie superhero, the Birdman. And um, now, years later, he's striving for some kind of artistic respectability. And there's this conflict in his mind the whole time. You know, part of him is saying, let's, let's stay with this play. Let's be respectable. Let's get the rave reviews from the important critics. But then there's this other part of his mind, the Birdman, that's saying, let's go back to Hollywood. You know, let's sell out. Let's, you know... Let's go do the blockbusters again. And the whole movie, he's waging this war within his own mind, 
you know, trying to determine what's going to make me more admired, what's going to make me more important. And all that time that he's thinking through those things, his daughter is struggling. His daughter is trying to keep her head above water. And because he's so caught up with his image and his need to be admired, he just doesn't even see it. And unfortunately, that's what happens with me so often. You know, as I get so caught up in my own desire to be admired and my own desire to be thought of well by people, that I forget that there are real people suffering in the world around me. Uh, So that's one reason why, that's one way that vanity is deadly. And then Jesus uh, continues to talk to the Pharisees. Uh, Let's go back to that verse he had up before. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. When we are so focused on how we look and what we're presenting to the outside world, that blinds us to the fact that God is looking to do something deep within us. That blinds us to the fact that there is actual darkness vying to take hold of us inside. And it makes us neglect what God is trying to do in us. You know, it's so very easy to get caught up in what's superficial and to associate what people think of us with what's true of us inside. And so if we can only get people to recognize how great we are, how admirable we are, how wonderful we are, how smart we are, then everything's going to be okay. We fool ourselves into thinking that the superficial is what's real. I have to admit, you know, so much, you know, of that, so much of that for me, you know, has been... You know, I, I don't want to demonize social media because it is a wonderful tool, you know, for us. It's, it's even a wonderful tool for the kingdom. But I have to admit that it's been so destructive for me, you know, as, you know, I've become so caught up with how I'm branding myself, how I'm curating my image, how I'm, how I'm presenting myself to the, to the world that sometimes I really neglect what's real. And so we're talking, you know, as we talk about the seven deadly sins, we're trying to really hit on what are the opposites of those things? What does it look like to leave behind these things and embrace something better? And the good news is that the opposite of vanity isn't becoming perfect. The opposite of vanity is vulnerability. And what is vulnerability? Vulnerability is just living in a way before the Lord and before other people where we own who we really are. We own our flaws and our scars and our deficiencies. You know, we stop pretending. We stop posing. We get out of the business 
of being our own public relations person. And we start to live in a way before the Lord and before others where we're real. And how, how do we go about doing that? You know, how do, we, how do we make that happen? Because it is a painful process. You know, sometimes vulnerability really does feel like running around Times Square in our underwear, and everybody can see us, everybody can see, you know, what's wrong with us. Uh, you know, how do we do it? Well, I can think of two ways that we go about building vulnerability. The first is simply building community, especially for those of us who tend to live in isolation, those of us who tend to try to do life kind of on our own. You know, to build community with people with whom we can feel safe really being ourselves. You know, that has been a really powerful tool for me. You know, you know one way of doing that, you know, has, for me has been through our small group. You know, building, you know, building relationships with people that I can feel safe being myself with. And it doesn't happen right away, uh, but, you know, as you get to know people, as you share life, as you eat with each other, you begin to feel safe being truly yourself with them. One of my favorite times with our small group was about a year ago, yeah, last spring, um, we set aside a number of weeks and we just said we're going to take some time with each other and we're just going to focus on telling our stories to each other. We're going to focus on just being known to each other. Um, and that was such a powerful, as, as we told our stories to each other over the, course of, uh, over the course of a few weeks, you know, it was such a powerful thing to be able to make yourself known, you know, what's going on in my life, where have I failed, where have, where have I succeeded, and hearing other people do that, it was such an incredibly life-giving time, you know, to be known by other people. Oh, and then there's another, another way that we can start to cultivate some vulnerability before God and to practice being vulnerable before God is through this practice that we do in the church called communion. And what we do in communion, not only do we remember the sacrifice of Jesus for us, how he gave his body and blood for us, you know, but we, we remember that we on our own are not good enough, we're not smart enough, we're not skilled or talented enough to save ourselves. You know, it's a reminder to ourselves that we need Jesus who gave himself for us. And it's a reminder also, on the other hand, that Jesus is the one who calls us to this table. He's the one that draws us and says, wherever you are, whoever you are, Come to me and receive life. As I've been thinking about vanity over the past couple of weeks, I come to realize more and more that at the heart of my vanity is this feeling that I'm not really worthy of receiving love from people. You know, and this idea that I need to present myself. I need to become admirable in people's eyes. I need to become lovable. I need to become great 
in people's eyes in order for them to really love me. But communion reminds us that Jesus draws us to the table and says, come to me wherever you're at. No matter what your weaknesses are, no matter what your flaws are, no matter what your sins are, come to me and receive life. So the band can come up, um, and we're going to take communion together. Um, If you've never done communion here at Mosaic, we'll have some tables set up here in the front and one in the back. Um, And, you know, as we sing this last song, you know, when you're ready, go to one of these tables and take the bread, dip it in the juice, you know, and remember what the Lord has done for us, giving his body and blood for us when we didn't deserve it (laughs) and invites us to be a part of what he's doing in the world. Why don't we have a quick word of prayer and then we'll take communion together. Oh, Lord, we thank you once again that when there was nothing in us for you to find admirable, when there was nothing in us when there was nothing in us for you to find great and something worthy to be respected, you came and you gave yourself, shed your blood and gave your body for us to become a part of your kingdom and a part of your family. Lord, we pray that we would that we would give up this need to be seen and admired by others. Help us to enter into the work that you've called us to do of loving and blessing the world around us, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it exposes our deficiencies. Thank you so much for calling us to be a part of your kingdom. In your name, amen.